Hello, it's Joe Taylor here, host of the All Terrain podcast. I just wanted to drop in with a quick note to let you know that this episode is a part of a series that we recorded live at the Edinburgh Fringe. It means as well as having the guest there in person, there was also an audience listening into the chat. So you'll hear a little bit of engagement and interaction with them through the conversation. It was an incredible privilege to be at the Fringe this summer to have these conversations with some truly excellent guests. So with that shared with you, um, we'll get to these episodes and I hope you enjoy them just as much as I did. Hello and welcome to the All Terrain podcast brought to you by the Children and Youth Department of the Salvation Army in the United Kingdom and Ireland. I'm Jo Taylor and in each episode I invite a guest to take a hypothetical hike with me as we find out about their real life journey up to this point. Along the way they make four choices and answer four questions and in this episode our guest is the Right Reverend Sally Foster Fulton. Sally was born and raised in South Carolina in the United States and ordained as a Church of Scotland minister in 1999. She was a minister in Falkirk and then Dunblane and while in that parish ministry was also appointed convener of the Church and Society Council. While there she helped advance the church's work on human rights, climate justice and support for people struggling to overcome poverty in Scotland and as well as overseas. In 2016, she was appointed Director of Christian Aid Scotland and then last year was named as the Church of Scotland's moderator and was installed into office this year at the church's annual General Assembly in May. Sally is an author and speaker and with her work calls people to justice and greater compassion. I'm sure you'll agree that such breadth of experience and depth of passion mean that we're in for a really exciting conversation and I'm so looking forward to what we share as we hike together. So Sally, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. This is really fun. It's a joy to have you here. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what everyday life looks, for, looks like for you, Sally, as you but also as moderator of the Church of Scotland? Certainly. Um, as, as me, as, as Sally... I um, I have a wonderful husband, Stuart. We've been married for well over 30 years. I have two beautiful daughters, um, Alex and Gracie, and a granddaughter, Oren, and they are both in very happy relationships, and it gives me great joy. We also have a Jack Russell, Delilah, who would be on this virtual walk with us. Absolutely. Excellent. Because she goes everywhere. <laughs> so, and I love to read. I love to write. I love to be outdoors. Um, it helps me keep a balance and a perspective. So, so I don't like to sit still. I like to be to be out and do my best thinking when I'm when I'm walking. Um, as as moderator, I'm a newbie. So I just started at the end of May. So this is uh, an elected post in the Church of Scotland, and you inhabit that space for a year. Um, you're the voice and the face of the Church of Scotland during that year and an ambassador um, at home and abroad. And you also embody the Church of Scotland and represent the Church of Scotland um, 
across the country. So one of the best things about this is I get to encounter so many different people. Yeah. And people are amazing. And you just learn so much um, from, from every situation. And it's always different. It sounds excellent. And I'm sure some of those experiences will influence some of your answers to our questions as we journey together. And so I'm looking forward to getting to know you a little bit better. So we ask every guest to make four choices and answer the same four questions as we travel together. And we're going to start off with your first two choices. Um, so the first one, most important before you go for a walk, is knowing where you're walking. So, um, Sally, can you tell us where we're walking today? Okay. We are walking on the island of Skye. And when we visited there a couple of years ago, one of the things that we did, or a few years ago, because it was pre-COVID, one of the things that we did is just every morning get the map out and say, where are we going to go today? And depending on the weather and our mood, we took all. Yeah. Um, what I loved about those walks were the, the vistas. So you would you would start, you know, sometimes in the mist and in the, in the, on the fields, and then you would just come up into this beautiful vista where you could see for miles. And I absolutely loved that. Mm -hmm. And every day was different. You know, there, it was, it was a difficult terrain, but life is like that. And yeah. so we really enjoyed it. So I, I love going there. And I also have, uh, a ridiculous memory and a piece of advice to folk. If you are on sky and it's chucking it down with rain and you genuinely can't go for a walk, go and visit the giant museum, huh? Angus McCaskill. It is the funniest thing you will ever do so in your life. Is it a giant museum as in it's a really big museum or is it a museum of giant? It's a museum of a giant. A giant. Who lived on Sky. Okay. And you will see a replica of his giant bed. You'll see a replica of his giant jumper. You'll see a replica of his giant chair. And I dragged my family there, made them go in. And it's one of those stories that you tell where you only have to say the first sentence and everybody starts to laugh. <laughs> it's that kind of story. So if you are ever on Sky and you're bored or it's raining too hard, go to that museum. Giant museum. Yeah. Well, now I feel like I have to go. I need to go. Okay. Well, I will. Beyond the hypothetical hike that we are on today. Um, and then you can choose some fellow travellers, mm -hmm. some companions for our walk. Um, you can choose three people to walk with us. Delilah is coming. She's in. Don't worry. You don't have to use one of your choices up there. Um, and so your three fellow travellers one living, one dead, and one fictional. And this is the hardest choice of all because there are so many people that I would I would choose. So I kind of went, kind of gone with my guts on this one, and also some of the some of the questions that we might talk about on our on our virtual on our virtual hike. So the first, the living person, is Richard Holloway. Mm. Um, I absolutely love him. He is kind, he's thought-provoking, and he has been on a journey. So if there was anybody I wanted to walk with, it would be Richard. Um, I also bumped into him um, a few weeks ago with my daughter, and we were just walking around in Morningside in Edinburgh and bumped into Richard, and Richard and I started chatting, and I introduced Richard 
to my daughter Alex and said, Alex, this is Richard Holloway. It's, and he chatted away. And then as we were walking away, she said, isn't that funny? His name is Richard Holloway. And I said, well, Vasquez is Richard Holloway. <laughs> and she said, why didn't you tell me who that was? <laughs> well, I actually did I tell, tell you who that was. <laughs> um, but he has been on such a theological journey. Yeah. Um, he also wrote some, he's written some things that have genuinely transformed my thinking, challenged it in ways. So Godless Morality was one of those books, and Leaving Alexandria was the other. Yeah. Um, and it was all about journey and thought and change and pain and and joy and coming into that space. So Richard would come with me. Um, Dad is my grandfather. I don't have a picture in this one. He was and, not Googleable. No, and I don't have a clear... I don't have a clear picture either, Joe. I think that's probably why I why I chose him. He is a feeling more than than a memory. Mm-hmm. Um, he died when I was not even a year old. Um, but I have, and it's one of those things where I I think I remember, yeah. but I've been told so often. But I talked when I was no surprise talked when I was really young, um, and my parents were convinced it was because my grandfather used to take me out on the porch in their house and talk to me and tell me stories and sing to me and that when he died that I was bereft yeah because that was gone and even though I was too young to know what I'd lost I felt it so to have him walk with me would be incredible yeah um I also just adored my grandmother. And so to get to know the partner that walked with her would be, would be a joy. And fictional, my very favorite novel is The Red Tent by Anita Diamond. Yeah. And the central character, and I, I kind of, my, my younger daughter Gracie said, I think you cheated a little bit on this one because Dinah was... A, is a character in the Bible. She's in she's in the Old Testament, but in in the Red Tent, her persona was just magnificent. Mm. And again, it was about change and loss and finding things and and life. And it's one of those novels where the very first sentence had me, yeah. and I couldn't put it down. Yeah. Um, and if anybody wants to read a beautiful, perfect, transformational um, image of death, it's at the end of that novel. Mm-hmm. It's exquisite. Mm-hmm. So Dinah would be coming with me. They're excellent choices. Um, I I love that you've brought your... Your granddad, who we can't see and we don't know because of our feelings. I like the idea that your choice there, it, it can't happen. It can't, for, for anyone, it can't be real. And you've chosen to use that that choice to talk about someone that you want to honour in that way. And I, I really love that and would completely agree about the Red Tent. So I think that is an excellent combination as a fellow companion, mm-hmm. especially as we start to dig into some of these questions 
the perspectives that they would bring will be excellent. Mm -hmm. But for now, we hear your perspective. Okay. And we've established where we are, established who's with us, so we can get going. Mm -hmm. And I can ask you, how do you face change? That is a really interesting and thought-provoking, and I think it's it's important sometimes to take a moment and say, let's take a breath. Mm. And for me, that's that's how you, you face change. Yeah. You you take that breath, say, okay. And also realizing that you're always, change is always, change is a constant. You know, we're, we're constantly moving and evolving and changing. It's, it's part of it's part of life. It's part yeah. of the earth. It's part of of nature. It's part of who we are as human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes change. And when I look back, change has taken me by surprise. Sometimes I find myself all of a sudden thinking, "How did I, how did I get here?" Um, I'll, I'll I'll tell you a story about about one one time because it, it it's it's one of those moments of change. Where I, I I realize, hang on a minute, what's happened here? Um, when I met my husband, we were in Atlanta, Georgia, at in seminary, and he was exchange student from Glasgow. Okay. And I was 26 years old, and I was independent, and I was, you know, an adult. It was all great, and we met and fell in love and decided to get married, and we got married, and I ended up in in Prestwick in in Ayrshire and I was 26 and I'd never been out of the country before and I'd I was standing I'd got it was a bit overwhelming and I'd gotten on a, on my bike and I'd taken my bike to the beach and I grew up in South Carolina and the beach was hot yeah. and the sand was golden and Sky was blue. And the sky was blue and it was freezing and it was raining. And I these blue shivering children running in and out of the surf with their cardigans on. And I thought, how did I get here? How did I get here? And I and I know that sounds just like a a story, but for me it, it kind of inhabits that don't sleepwalk into thing. You know, em- embrace the change. It took it took at least a year to recalibrate myself. Um, give yourself time when changes happen to recalibrate yourself. You know, you don't have to. I think too often we just plow on. Um, so for me, I think that's one. And don't be surprised by by that change. Include people. Yeah, in in that change as well, but it, it that's really important. It's not something you do by yourself, but you include other people in that in that in that change. So I guess for me, that's that that's one aspect of mm-hmm. of of change. I think the other is being hopeful in that space mm-hmm. and and realizing that you know throughout change, you are not the first person to have experienced this, nor will you be the last. Yeah. Um, and there are, there is help there and there's beauty there and to embrace it. So you talk about, um, 
kind of allowing the recalibration of the you in that moment that took about a year so it sounds like kind of bringing people on that journey were part of that but what does the recalibration look like like how did you do that how can how can we do that how can you lean into that recalibration rather than just assume it's going to happen I think a few steps for me Mm. one was admitting and being okay with the grief um, I didn't expect it. Yeah. I expected to just swan into, oh, this is my new life, and this is, you know, everybody has these things. And I, what was gone and lost was tangible. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, that I tell that story about cycling to the beach because I thought, I can't even go here. It's different. Everything is different. And I can't, how do I get back and realize, well, you, you can't. Yeah. And you wouldn't. So I think, you know, acknowledging and living and sitting with that pain, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I think then it moved for me into leaning into, this is, there is some excellent, beautiful, different stuff I would never have encountered. And embracing that. And again, that took time. But, you know, I, this is home now. It's been home for, you know, this is, Scotland is home. I, I, I feel, you know, my, my grandmother used to say, bloom where you're planted. Um, and so I'm planted here. Yeah. Um, I also think other changes moved me into a space. You know, we, I, I went to Trinity College and embedded myself there. And again, that theological thinking and, and I recognized my atmosphere mm-hmm. um, in, in some in that questioning and, and searching that's that's it's it's universal it's it's wherever you go um you know we we had children and you know where your children's dreams are your yours yours end up and yeah. for, for me that's been the case so so i think it, it was that acknowledging the grief embracing the beauty and then really living in the moment being present um i've got a mentor who well actually he was the predecessor to, he was the convener of the Church Society Council before I was, and the one piece of advice he had gave me was, he said, if you're if you're going to be somewhere, be present. Yeah. He said, otherwise, don't bother showing up. And that's hard. Yeah. That's really hard. But he was right. Yeah. He was right. And he said, even if that means you just say, actually, I'm not going to go right. I'm not going to go there right now, um, because I need some time. Mm-hmm. Um, be present when you're there. And if you if you're not going to be present, don't. Be. I think that's really great advice uh, you know especially among um, Salvation Army officers it's that same kind of say so our ministers in the Salvation Army are called officers and have that kind of transient thing where they're not in control <laughs> of where they live and what they're moved to so that idea of suddenly being someone new even for those that aren't in in that particular ministry within our organization will still be familiar with that idea and so I've kind of grown up in a world where I see people thrive in that change because they lean in fully to where they are. Wherever we live, wherever we have lived, they take us on like a day out to a place. And they'd be like, we live here. We'd be like, we know. <laughs> but they would own the place that they lived. They would own the place that they were in and make it fully theirs, fully home. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I, I can identify with that. My parents used to force us <laughs> to go drive into the mountains and see the mountains and like we've seen the mountains. <laughs> we've seen them. Why are we here? And and but that was it. It was it was then get out and, and explore them and yeah. this is look at where you get to be. Yeah. Be here. Yeah, that's really helpful. And and you talked a little bit about allowing allowing yourself to grieve and so we start thinking about the next question. Like that seems to always be one of those kind of common things of recognizing in change that there is there is joy there and there is opportunity, but there is also sometimes grief, which helps us move really nicely onto the next question around how you move through suffering. I think for me, one thing that I, I think is really important um, is to really challenge that suffering and ask the question and not just suffering my suffering, but is that suffering systemic and do I have a sphere of influence in alleviating that suffering mm. or or do I not? And and I go that that kind of goes into my my time as Christian aid. Yeah. Um poverty is political. It is systemic. And there are things that we can do to alleviate the suffering others are experiencing. Um, and so I don't think you lie down to it. You say, hang on a minute. What can, where's my part in this? You know, so again, for, for me, that, that's, a, that's a difference. Um, you know, we, for, for instance, right, right now, we are doing a, um, the Catholic Church and the Church of Scotland and Crossreach, which is our social care arm, is doing a campaign on fair pay for social care because people are struggling. They are bleeding out, you know, social care is bleeding out the sides with people who cannot afford to continue that incredible vocation. They can't survive. 86% um, of the workforce in social care, looking after our elderly, looking after our children, looking after our vulnerable, 86% are women. Yeah. So it's a gendered issue. So people are suffering and we can do something about it. So the fair, the fair pay for social care is about saying, what's the timeline government for upping these salaries? Yeah. They're also not unionized, so there's no voice. Um, you know, when you look at climate change, those who have had least to do with this are suffering right now, every day, and they have had least to do with this. What are we going to do about it? So rather than saying suffering is inevitable, you say people are suffering. What can we do to shift that? Um, I remember when I, I love language and looking at, at what words really mean and repent. Is it is it wringing your hands and saying, oh, I'm so terribly sorry. Repent is turn around and go in a different direction and do it differently. So I think for me, moving through suffering or dealing with suffering, that type of suffering, don't don't let the status quo win because the status quo counts on our apathy and are saying we can't do anything about it. I now, find that so useful. Mm -hmm. um, sorry to interject that. But I think we can so often see the thing in front of us and like want to do something about it. And it's right that we do something in that moment with the thing in front of us. But 
naming the systems, naming the structures that need to be transformed or brought down in order to bring genuine relief um, and hope and transformation. And I think they're going back to that other side of that, you know, where there is suffering that that we have a limited sphere of influence, but what we can do is be there. And again, going back to that present, being present, I will, one of the most, I remember there was a a woman in my congregation who, I mean, she was just a lovely, lovely lady. And I happened to visit in the home she was, she was in. Um, and it was obvious that it was coming to the end mm. of her life. And she was thirsty. She, you know, and, and it was a busy home and, you know, they, she was, and so I was able just to sit, and all I, all I could do was sit there. She couldn't speak. She couldn't do anything. I couldn't do anything other than hold the cup and help her drink. Being there. Yeah. Just being there sometimes is, is all you can do. Sometimes listening and not, not offering your, your advice. Yeah as much as you really want to, is is the best thing you can do. But for me, it's really important that we, we're very careful that we don't interchange one with the other. Yeah, that's really helpful. There's multiple spaces that we need to be present in. Yeah. Um, like, uh, and we don't negate one for the other. Right. And what does that look like for you, Hope, in those moments of of kind of your pain and your, and your grief, if you don't mind me asking? How do you move through your own suffering? I think I I have a bedrock faith, and I often say to and and I think it's one of those things that that I've I'm still working on <laughs> and wrestling with. You know, I think all if you look across our our faith spectrum, mm-hmm. the long lasting, evolving faith communities hold a beautiful thing in common that they are a small part of something bigger. And that's that's momentous. Um, and I think realizing that the suffering that, or the pain or the grief that I am going through is is not the end. Yeah. Also not minimizing it. And, you know, I think too often we say, oh, well, you know, everybody, you know, I'm, I don't know if you ever watched Ally McBeal. Yeah. I loved Ally McBeal. And somebody asked her one time, she's, you know, why are your problems so much more important than everybody else's? And she said, because they're mine. Yeah. And, you know, not to, you know, and it really, I thought, okay, you know, yeah. I can't let you wear that, you know, you know, to, to say it's okay to be, it's okay to say, you know, this just, yeah. And, it, and, you know, that's okay to say that. I remember, I think probably one of the most biggest griefs I've, I've personally had to deal with was, was we had a miscarriage. I, I don't know, it, it, you know, I, I I kind of put it, tried to put it on a shelf and keep going. And I went back to, went back to university and I had, I was going to see my, um, my, my lecture, my kind of advisor studies and he wasn't in and his secretary, who was a lovely lady was there, absolutely lovely lady. And she, um, she just said, hope you're doing okay. And, and, and by that point, you know, this was our, our second child. She said, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear what happened. She said, I had, I, I had a theory. You know, I think some bodies can't can only you know can only have pearls from some, and, and I I think it was a wee boy, and that's what happened. And I had to go home. Yeah. I I because all of a sudden, what I had put on a shelf yeah. as nothing, 
was real and I couldn't have it and it was gone and um and it was just devastating. Stuart's dad had written me a letter and, and it was weird that they kind of coincided and they'd lost a child um and he just had written, he wrote this beautiful letter to see and said to me we we'd lost Donald you know 50 years ago and he still that and and just talked it talked about it and I realized I wasn't by myself yeah and that helped so I think realizing we're not alone realizing that that grief is real yeah realizing that suffering is is real and not minimalizing it for yourself or anybody else is important and it helps and that can be really hard to do can't it when like in a role such as yours you're working for an organization like Christian Aid like in the Church of Scotland and the kind of the immensity and the scale of the the suffering that you see and for all of us like confronted with every single day climate crisis and cost of living crisis and this stuff that is massive uh-huh. holding that kind of very real and large-scale long-term suffering which is right that we name it and honor it and face it and fight it but then also allowing us to own our own grief and suffering which can feel so small in comparison. How do you balance it? I'll let you know when I know. <laughs> I really want someone to be able to answer that question. I'm going to keep asking until I get an answer. And I think it's a... Because it's not the same, but it's, it is important, isn't it? It's, 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 it's critically important. Yeah. And, and, and how, how, how do you balance that? I mean, I, you, know, I, I, and you look at the... You know, there are over almost 8 billion souls in this world. Mm-hmm. And every single one is a unique, one-off, never-to-be-creative ever again mm-hmm. child of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and and, and, and we're, we're gifts. We're gifts to each other. So, so how do you, how do we balance that? Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's also beauty. Yeah. You know, there's so much, there's so much beauty. I mean, stuff, you know, there is suffering and there's so much beauty as well. Yeah. Um, and, and there's that. Yeah. yeah. It's all the things, isn't it? It's the old thing. It's the big and it's the huge it's and it's the hour and it's personal. Mm-hmm. And it's the pain and it's the beauty. We just have to live in those in-between places. We do. It, it's grey. It's not black and white. Yeah. It's not black and white. So now we don't... So maybe no one's going to hear that. Think, but, <laughs> and I think too, you know, we, if we don't know everything, do we? No, we can't. Yeah. And I think it's it's our human nature to want to, yeah. to desperately want to know it all. Yeah. You know, I I know I do, and there are rare occasions when I think I do know it all. Yeah. But that that flashes disappears. Yeah, we don't know it all. No. And we can't. Yeah. We can't. I maintain that I know it's all about some things. If, Good for you, Joe. If my husband is listening, there's <laughs> certain things that I very much know. <laughs> but yeah. There is so very much that is unknown. And sitting with that is part of the journey, isn't it? We get to make another choice now, which gives us an opportunity to breathe and think about the complexities of us as humans to all experience everything all at once. And so we'll make another choice. Just in case we all need a little breather or if we go our separate ways for a moment, what would we be listening to? What's on your playlist? Oh, goodness. Well, the Indigo Girls um, are probably my favorite 
group. Mm-hmm. I just think they are fantastic. So they are top of top of my list. Are the Indigo Girls? Um, Strange, fine, um, Land of Canaan. Just they they're just brilliant. Um, just beautiful songs, and they're usually on my um when I'm running through my playlist. Can't help it, but James Taylor because he is in my in my bones. <laughs> so 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 James Taylor going to Carolina in my mind. Those you know walking man, all all those are there. And again, I've gone way I've gone way deep into the roots. Um, the Chicks, mm-hmm. formerly known as the Dixie Chicks, but again they've evolved and yeah. recognized things. And so the, the Chicks are on my list. Yeah. Um, and there's probably John Denver thrown in there somewhere. Excellent. So, but if you're not familiar with any of those artists, if you want to have a little listen, I have put together a Sally Foster Fulton playlist on Spotify. If you follow that QR code up on your screens now, it will take you to the Spotify playlist. So you can have Sally's music in your ears and in your lives. I knew the chicks, knew James Taylor, but I didn't know the Indigo Girls. And there's some nice stuff there. Beautiful stuff there. Yeah. My ears enjoyed them. That's really good. I'm glad. <laughs> so great choices. There's also some, there's also a track that's just beach noise. Oh, you can't beat that. Because you, you said that sometimes you just want to listen to where you are. Absolutely. So, which was the beach. Rather than a random room in Edinburgh City, um, which there isn't a soundtrack for on Spotify yet. So, we have got some beach sounds to accompany us. I will follow that QR code myself. <laughs> Excellent. So, now we know what we're listening to. And as you speak, like, there are moments where I see you come alive and know I'm excited about your answer to this next question because... I already feel it brimming mm-hmm. in you. So we'll let it spill now. Okay. How do you receive joy? People are joy. And for for me, empowering and empowering people to be themselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, totally, one hundred percent themselves it brings me joy. Yeah. Um and when I and I receive joy through being alongside other people. Um I, I find it I, I never walk away from meeting somebody and encountering somebody and learning from somebody without it bringing me joy. And and so I think for me, that's what one of the things about being being moderator has has just been a a privilege that I I never imagined because I'm encountering people. I've I've got someone who who who, who says that. If you look at every human being, every human person as a stand-in for God, then the way that you approach that person and the way that person approaches you is is basically you standing face-to-face with God. And how can that not be joyful? Yeah. I'm also weirdly on that, if that what's that thing called? The Myers-Briggs test. I think. Okay. Off the charts with intuitive thinking, feeling, and perceiving. and But extrovert, introvert, I, I sit straight on the fence. Okay. Um, and so I also receive joy when I'm alone, mm-hmm. outside, really feeling the immensity of 
the universe. And I don't find how small I am discomforting at all. I find it exhilarating. And for me, that's, that's pure joy. Um, I also love stories and meet joy when I wrestle, especially with the sacred texts. Um, I remember when I was training, um, and, and for people who, who know me, they'll roll their eyes and say, oh, here she's saying that again. <laughs> but I can't help it because for me it was so true. This person who was leading a conference said that sacred stories are like a treasure chest in a cave. You go in, you dig deep, you come back to the light and you say, look, yeah, look at them. And every time you go in, you'll find something new. And for me, that is just a joy. So I love it. But How do you keep that that joy in that? When it's something that is, I'd say, part of your every day and has been for years, I'm sure there will be people who, you know, they're people of faith and they will be absolutely committed to reading scripture and know that there is kind of truth and beauty and newness to be found in there, but find it maybe not always so joyful mm-hmm. and actually it can become quite chorey. Mm-hmm. Am I not? Am I that? Of course you are. Yeah, it can be. It can, can't it? Can. It? it can. I, I get a what just popped into my head, and I think that's such a great question. What just popped into my head is is when we, is Advent. <laughs> you know, it's that. What it means is waiting, but it's waiting with expectation. So, to expect when you read or so, that something new is going to come. Yeah. And. You know, don't, we don't have to read it. Read it like it's new. You know, just think, I've never read this before. Because you haven't. Because you haven't been in that space at that moment with all the things swirling around your brain and all the things happening in the world. You've never been there before. Yeah. So that story is new. So what's it saying to you today? What's different? And 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 ask other people. I, I remember this this kid, it was a scream. Um, we were... Talking, doing the um the thing about the you know, the disciples in the boat, and they were afraid, and you know, the, that Jesus came to them, and we the kids had built this was in Sunday school years ago. These kids had built a boat, and um they were acting out that story, and they said you know, he said your peace be still, and the waves were still, and the little kid goes, that's not what happened, that's not what happened, and I said well, what happened? He said, well, Jesus was telling the disciples to be quiet and be still, and the waves overheard it and thought that they were talking. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, that's awesome. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Because it was only the disciples he wanted to cause down. <laughs> we to the disciples, the waves heard it, and said, oh, okay, we'll back off. You know, and, but it's just joyful. Yeah, you know, the, 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 let the stories breathe. Let yeah. let them tell themselves to yeah. you. So you have the same approach to scripture then as you do people, like because you are set, and I love that because I find that quite easy to do with people. Mm. I, so where everyone you meet, you expect that they will bring you joy because you expect that you will see God in them. They are someone that is created in the image of God, and they are beautiful and have something new to teach you and to show you and so you go into those encounters with expectation and the result is joy and then Mm. 
to do that same thing with scripture, to go in believing that God is present in those words. And so to go in with the expectation that you will learn something new, see something beautiful, discover something more of who God is and of who you are. And then that brings joy. So it's about your posture to all of those things. I think it can help. Yeah, I, I really do. And and I think too, and again, I just can't help myself. Yeah. I think it's simple stuff that brings you joy too. I mean, we've, we've got, we have a granddaughter who's 19 months old now and yeah. it's like watching, I, I've never, you've got the, the space, you know, I think when you're a mom, luxury of just, yeah, absorbing watching her become and and again that's just incredible you know incredible and so that's that's given me a whole new perspective and I remember people saying that and I was like oh yeah yada 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 but it's true so when you emailed your choices that you were going to be making prior to to this evening um I got a bit of a sense of who you are with your description of the answer to this next question because you were very clear actually on what would bring you joy and what wouldn't <laughs> as you answered this. And this is my favourite bit about doing a live podcast. So our final choice is an essential for any walk is the snack. Yep. Otherwise, it's just a punishment, really. It's a route march if there's no snack. And normally I just hear about these snacks in my dining room and then I'm just hungry mm-hmm. for the rest of the day. But because it's live and because we want to Bless our fellow travellers, we will share in your snack together. And your description of that, there was an expectation of joy there. That said, do you want to share what we will be? I would, I would love to. And, and yes, I was very specific <laughs> be, because there's a huge difference, huge difference. So my go-to always is oat cakes, peanut, crunchy peanut butter with banana on top. Now, I was thinking of my fellow travelers and I was concerned about peanut allergies. So I did say when I got in touch with you that if it was a danger that we could forego the crunchy peanut butter, it would break my heart, but we could forego the crunchy peanut butter <laughs> and just do honey. But the, the big stipulation was none of those wimpy, skinny, round oat cakes. They are a waste of time. <laughs> I just don't get them. I, I just I do not get them. Yeah, they need to be the thick triangle, serious oat cakes. Otherwise, it's it's just not the same. Yeah. So that's how specific I was. You were very specific. I was very specific. So yeah, we'll yeah we'll tuck in. Good stuff. And I also had a water bottle. And I think I told you before the podcast yeah. started that I had had. A water bottle that I'd had for like seven years, and I loved that water bottle. And it recently disappeared because we left a backpack on a tray. So going back to grief and suffering, I'm I'm over it now. <laughs> oh, with all the sets, will eat ours later. Otherwise, especially peanut butter. That I was going to say, you, it stays in your mouth for a really long time. So which is good for a walk because it keeps you going. But yeah, I'm, it's a great combination. It's a good choice. So it moves us on to our final question, um, which is, how do you mature in service? I think understanding that there is a season for things mm-hmm. and that it's okay to move and that it's part of what you do mm-hmm. and to bring what you have learned along with you, but also be open to what others have 
to teach you. You know, I, I think that that for me has been a, a really important balance is, you know, all the experiences that, that I've been gifted offer me something new to bring to a, to service wherever I find myself. But you don't want to think, well, then I have all the answers because I think once you have all the answers, you really are on a, on a high end to nothing. Um, and other people have gifts and talents and experience to bring along with you into that space. So I think for me, maturing in service is realizing there's a season, not thinking it's a failure to say, I've done what I can do here and it's time to move. Embracing that change, realizing it, and bringing on those, the gifts that other people have, have given you. I mean, I, I go back to where we started in, in our, you know, in our, in our virtual hike. And I remember, you know, you know, bringing my grandfather along with me. And probably one of the reasons I'd want to do that is because I, my grandmother, um, you know, had two things that, that resonate in my bones still and sometimes have the impact they should. But one was remember who you are, which was also my, my theme for the General Assembly. He's saying, you know, remember that you are loved. Remember um, that when Jesus said in communion, do this and, and remember me, it's not about some vague memory. It's about bringing the love, the life, the lessons, the sacrifice into your everyday life yeah. and making it different. So remember who you are. And she also used to challenge us to change have to get. You know, I'd say, oh, I have to go to school. I have to eat that. And she's like, you know what, actually, you get to go to school. Yeah. You get to eat that. You know, and it used to make me nuts. <laughs> you know, but on a good day, oh, hang on. And I and so bring those gifts with you because they 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 come to bear they they bear fruit, um, and I think you mature in service when you when you pay attention to those and you bring them with you, yeah. and you're also open then to what other people are gonna are gonna do. I've I've always chosen, no matter where I've gone, either parish or church and society, social social work. I did that for early on, Christian aid, and what I'm doing now, to not do it alone, but to collaborate, I think your best work happens that way. Yeah. So I think that's probably how you... you that's true. Really helpful. And it feels like a kind of picture of like real like humility because it's honouring what you have to bring and also honouring what others have to bring in, isn't it? Honouring where you're strong, but also honouring where others are stronger. Mm -hmm. I, I think in, in leadership, if you... A real, a real marker of success is you move on, but nothing else, and everything else moves on. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that says it wasn't about you. Yeah, you know, and and that means that what you did mattered because other people are then picking it up, taking it in a different direction, and doing you know. I mean, I, I, I definitely said to, and I've got we've got some members of the Christian Aid team and who are who are here this this afternoon. And I, I said and meant it, do not keep any seats warm while and, you know, get on with it because you're amazing. Yeah. You know, and anytime people have said that to me, it, it's been, it's been just a, a gift. Yeah. A gift. And that's where remembering who you are is really important because it can be easy to be insecure about those things, <laughs> to question what you've done, to question 
the impact that you've you've made, whether or not you've been in the right place. But actually, if you know who you are and that it's so much more than what you've done in that you know, in that one moment, then it does allow you to hold lightly to those things and let go when it's the right time to let go. That remembering who you are, I love that that was what your grandma spoke over you because you have clearly carried that and lived that. I think we have a sense of who you are and how you are kind of working that out in a whole bunch of different spheres. And so to hear some of that has been really, it's been a gift to us tonight. So thank you so much for that. On that note, I've loved it. So thank you for the invitation. This has been fun. So I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. And we'd love for you to join in with this and all of our all-terrain conversations. You can do that on Facebook by heading over there, searching for the all-terrain conversations and joining the group. It's a space to share the things that resonated or challenged, the questions it raised, anything that helps us expand on the wisdom in each episode. I would love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying these chats, don't forget to hit the follow button wherever you get your podcasts. This will mean that every episode drops straight into your phone, making sure that you don't miss out. We'd also love it if you could share the podcast across your social media channels. And if you're listening on Apple, we'd love it if you could give the show a rating or write us a review. All of those things help the show get heard by even more people. We also have a set of sketch notes that accompany each episode. And they can be found in all their brilliance by searching for the All Terrain podcast or clicking the link in the episode description. I'll be back soon with another guest who will be facing the four choices, answering the four questions and sharing their wisdom learnt along the way on the All Terrain podcast. So until then, goodbye and thanks for listening. <laughs>